for that and I'm thankful to get to serve with the people that I get to serve with. I'm thankful to see my family. Hello. <laughs> and uh, as always, I'm thankful for Kayla Mikola. As always, thank you for being a faithful vocalist. And I also want to welcome on drums today, Sean Franklin. Will you say hi to Sean? Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to see you. And great to have you, and it's great to see and have each of you as well. And uh, last week when we did this song, we talked a little bit about how, where the scriptures say, if we seek him, we will find him. Okay? And so, again, I just want to encourage you in every 
uh, area of your life to seek him. And if you do so with all of your heart, the scriptures say we will find him. So let's do that together right now. God of love, let's sing it. God of love, God of all glory, every day I see new mercy. Great is your faithfulness. God of love, God of my story, you never fail, you never forsake me. Great is your faithfulness. I see you in the morning light. See you in the fire by night. I hear you say, Child, I am with you. Everything will be alright. I see you in tears that run. I feel you when the healing comes. I hear you say, Beloved one, I am with you. Every moment of my life, I see you. I see you. I see you. God, I see you. God of love, God of new vision, every blessing you have given. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, how great is your faithfulness. I see you in the morning light. I see you in the fire by night. Hear you say, child, I am with you. Everything will be all right. See you in tears that run. Feel you when the healing comes. I hear you say, beloved one, I am with you. Every moment of my life, I see you. I see you. God, I see you, and I will worship. So I will worship through the storm, through the storm, through the storm. All my hope is in you, Lord, in you, Lord, in you, Lord. Yes, I will worship through the storm, through the storm, through the storm. All my hope is in you, Lord, in you, Lord, in you, Lord. Just you and the drums now. I see you in the morning light. I feel you in the fire by night. I hear you say, child, I am with you. Everything will be all right. I see you in the morning light. I feel you in the fire by night. I hear you say, child, I am with you. Oh, everything will be all right. I see you in tears that run. Feel you when the healing comes. Hear you say, beloved one, I am with you. Every moment of my life, I see you. I see you. I see you. God, I see you one more time.
time. I see you. Y'all can have a seat for a moment. Pastor Gary's going to come up here for lead us in a time of revival prayer. All right. Hey, it is really good to be with y'all today. I, I have missed you. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Joy and I uh, went down to see Faithy down at APU, and it was, uh, you know, sometimes a daughter needs to see her dad, okay? And sometimes a dad needs to see his daughter. And uh, so we just had a wonderful, wonderful time together. Uh, we got to visit her church, really neat church down there. Uh, got to meet her roommate, young woman from Honduras. Uh, real sweet gal, so it was really a good time. And then last week, uh, I fully expected to be here. Uh, even after my bike crash, I expected to be here. And then I took some muscle relaxers on Saturday evening, and I thought, I can't even think. Uh, so so I, I called Matt back and asked him if he could preach, and he had already been prepared. So, uh, so you know, one of the things that is very important for us as a church is revival prayer. And the reason the revival prayer is so important is this, is because, first of all, you know, there are some things that only God can do. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I hope so. Okay? And there are some things that only God can do, and only God can revive the heart. And that's where revival begins. Okay? Uh, Before revival is a movement, whether it's in a church or a school or wherever it is, it's always a movement in the heart. And the only way that we experience true revival and spiritual renewal is when we humbly come to God and when we humbly seek him above all things. And when we are, you know, what the Bible says, uh, and I apologize, my head has just lost the the, uh, reference. Um, uh, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And everything begins with humility. That's part of why revival is so rare. is because it begins with humility. Uh, it, be, it, it begins with humility. It begins with seeking God. Not just kind of a casual kind of a seeking. Maybe attending church uh, uh, a couple of times a month. It's, it's not just reading a verse here and there, but it is a real earnest seeking after God above all things. Jeremiah says, uh, if you seek me and search for me with all your heart, you will find me. And it's that kind of seeking and searching God with all of our heart, not just a piece of our heart, but all of our heart. But it begins with really humbling ourselves. It begins with seeking God above all things. And it, it begins with actually repenting of our sin uh, that that I think sometimes sometimes I don't know about you but sometimes it's we, we can look at the sins of another person we can imagine that their sin is somehow worse than our sin you know and we imagine that somehow 
uh, they need God's forgiveness more than we do. But revival only happens when we recognize and we are brokenhearted over our sin. Uh, Toxic religion is despising other people because of their sin. True religion is being brokenhearted over our sin. And that's when the Bible tells us that God will forgive us and that he will heal our land. And so I want to just lead us in a moment uh, of prayer where we are seeking God. And I will ask you just to ask God to search your heart, your mind. Ask God to help you to humble yourself before God. Let's pray. God, today what we want to do is we really do want to humble ourselves before you. We want to humble ourselves before you. We want to exalt you. Uh, We want to humble ourselves before you. And God, we want to ask you to search our hearts, to know our minds, to see if there is any uh, unhealthy way in us. God, uh, help me right now uh, just to look inward and not to even be thinking so much about other people in our church or even our community or our world. But God, help me uh, to lay my heart bare before you because you see all things anyway. Uh, Lord, Help me to be brokenhearted over my sin uh, and to seek you with all of my heart. And God, I pray that for every one of us at Solana Valley Church, that you would help us to um, really humble ourselves before you and seek you. And Lord, help us to repent uh, where we need to repent, to confess our sin and to acknowledge uh, where we need to repent. And, Lord, I pray that you will forgive our sin. I pray for revival in our hearts, a movement of your spirit, a spiritual renewal within. And, Lord, I pray for that in our church. I pray for that in the churches of this community and across this nation. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Stand together one more time, church. I search the world, it could fill me. Man's empty praise, the treasures that fade are never Then you came along Put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Here in your life Oh, there's nothing Better than you know there's nothing Better than you know there's nothing Nothing is better than you And I'm not afraid To show you my weakness Failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all. You still call me friend. 
the God of the mountain is the God of the valley there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again there's nothing oh there's nothing better than Nothing is better than you. One more time, there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. turn shame into glory you turn graves into gardens and you're the only one who can and so we want to just we just want to humbly submit to you once again and ask you to do that and give us the courage lord to obey and to follow we pray this in christ's name amen 
All right, church, you can have a seat. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I always forget I got this thing on. Before I start with announcements, we have a couple of special guests that want to say something. So we're hijacking this. <laughs> Steve, are you up? Oh, you're here. I just looked right over him. Sorry. Um, two weeks ago was the Pastor Appreciation Day, and Gary tried to avoid us. And so we moved it to last week, and he, avoid, he avoided us again. Matt, stay up here. Carolyn, can you join him? And Gary, can you come on up? So we wanted to recognize, the elders wanted, on behalf of the congregation, wanted to recognize our pastors. We don't just appreciate you on a pastor appreciation day. We appreciate you and your wives every day of the year because you mean that much to us every day, not just one day a year or one month a year. We appreciate you. They, They say that values are caught, not taught. And the four of you demonstrate that. It, you know, your lives and your leadership in this congregation begins with worship. It's prayer-based. It's community-focused, and it's gospel-centered. And what we miss hearing because we daydream, we see in your lives lived out every day. And so we just wanted to thank you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your vision, and thank you that. Well, thank God that he's given you as our pastors and pastors' wives. Thank you. you. I kept my mask on for Matt's sake. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jen. All right, I'm going to hijack it back now. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Gary and Matt, for your leadership. All right, well, I'm Jen. I just want to welcome you guys to First Christian, I mean, excuse me, Solano Valley Church. (laughs) We're all a family, right? Okay, so I'm here to do your announcements today, and I just want to thank you um, on YouTube and Facebook for joining us. We wish you were here, but I totally understand. I almost got flooded away as I was walking out to my car this morning. So enjoy your nice, comfy couch in your pajamas. Um, I just want to start with the thing that I love most, which is connecting, obviously. Um, what Gary talked about earlier made me think about connecting and growing in that. And just this last Sunday, we had our ladies group. With, at Joy's house in her backyard. And let me just say, it's such a growing experience. There's times where we cry, we share tears together. There's times where we laugh and we cry just because we're laughing. I mean, Kathy Gray said the funniest thing last week. I can't even, I told her what stays, what happens in groups stays in groups, so I can't tell you what she said, but it was hilarious, okay? And it was, but it was poignant to what we were talking about. And um, that's how we grow. Is in doing community and life with others. So I want to tell you guys, there's some few groups that are meeting right now. We have a co-ed group that meets on Tuesday nights at the Classen's house. We have a Thursday night group with the Acords. That's also for men and women. And then we have, on Wednesday nights, we have our youth group, which is for students 7th grade through 12th grade. Matt and I lead that here in church um, from 7 to 8.30. And right now we're watching the second season of Chosen. 
and uh, it's been great, and we have a lot of fun together in that group. Um, and also on Sunday, Joy has her women's group, and we are studying First Peter right now, and it's been awesome. So if you haven't tried a group, please try it. Like, we have a thing where there's always an open seat. We could be having one more meeting, and if you want to come, please come. There's always room for one more. So please um, if, look up more information on that if you want. You can talk to the classes. You can talk to the Acords. You can talk to Joy, Matt, or I, or you can go on our Facebook, I mean, excuse me, our SVC app um, and click groups, and it will give you more information on that. Um, the second thing I wanted to talk about is our drive through trunk or treat that's going to be next Saturday. I was looking back there. We've got, I think, nine cars signed up, which is awesome. We have a ton of candy already um, in the bin. It's not too late, though. If you want to bring some candy, if you want to sign up and do a car, if you just want to come hang out with us that day and say hello to people and wave at them, wear a costume, whatever you want to do, we would love to have you. The more the merrier. Um, it's a great way for us, again, to live out our values as a church and to serve our community and reach outside of the doors of this building. So I would encourage you to come. Uh, lastly, I'm going to talk about our offering, which is something that we do to honor God. He's the one that gives us everything that we have, and he, he just expects us to joyfully give in return. So there's five ways that you can do that. Um, the first is to go online to www.solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap give on the SVC phone app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. Or you can text give to 707-883-3019. If you're here in person, you, there's a little mail slot behind the sound booth. You can slip your check into there if you'd like to do that as well. And so I just want to thank you guys for generously always giving, bringing candy, whenever, whatever we need. There's always people here to step up and fill those needs, and we appreciate it. This thing could not happen without each and every one of you. It is now my honor to, uh, to welcome up Captain Crash. I did not write this. It was Matt. <laughs> yes. If you're watching either Facebook or YouTube, I owe you guys an apology. Uh, I accidentally left my, uh, my mic on while I was singing. And, and there's a reason why I'm not on the worship team, okay? Uh, so for you guys, I'm very sorry if you heard that. Uh, hopefully uh, it was caught and uh, it was uh, edited at the booth. So, hey, you know, real quick, I want to say a big thank you. Uh, I, I do. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Sean Franklin. Uh, it's been my privilege, my joy to be uh, to get to, to know Sean over the last few months. He and Cass have been dating, and uh, he just has a really neat walk with Jesus. Uh, love his heart. Uh, just love his passion uh, for following Jesus. I love the way he serves, um, and uh, just you know he, he has kind of a neat ministry. And I know this is not what this is about this morning. Well, it kind of is actually. Uh, but he has a really neat ministry on Sunday mornings where he'll go, he'll take food that's expired in a grocery store, and he takes it, and it, it either goes in the dumpster, so he picks it up and takes it and gives it to people in need. 
And I just think that's kind of a neat, cool way of serving uh, people in need. Uh, and saying that, uh, I want to say a special thanks also uh, to uh, to Matt, uh, to Kayla, uh, for uh, you guys back at the sound booth, Jim. Uh, ben is shadowing Jim today at the, the sound booth, uh, but appreciate you guys. And, of course, Lori, you at Multimedia. And then in the back, I think Jeremy is leading our children this week. And uh, so I just want to say a special thank you to everybody who is serving. Um, so last week, what, what happened uh, was uh, had a little bike crash. Had a little bike crash. And, um, in, in, but I had a lot more than a bike crash last, last Saturday. It was actually fantastic. Not the crash, obviously. But it was a really, really good day in many respects. Uh, I, I started off. Uh, I drove over to drove over to Winters uh, early Saturday morning and uh, met up there. Actually, the the ride was supposed to start in Davis, but uh, I, I connected with Brandon Brandon Gatan uh, up at at Winters where they live, and we met over at Steady Eddie's. There's a little coffee shop, neat little coffee shop. If you've never been over there, and uh, so we met up there. And we rode uh, the the ride we were riding with everybody else. So we we headed out. We went out uh, Puda Creek Road, beautiful ride out through the orchards, then up uh, Pleasance Valley Road. Uh, went out 128 out by Lake Berryessa, absolutely beautiful. Of course, you can see where the burn is from uh, the the fire uh, last year. But rode up 128 to 121, then came down. Uh, Wooden Valley Road down to Fairfield. Ride was going fantastic. It was just a beautiful day. We got into a pace line over on um, over on Gordon Valley Road, and we got behind some guys. All of them experienced riders, very very good riders from uh, the bike club over at Davis. And when you get in a pace line, everybody knows what they're doing. It's fantastic. Uh, but the three guys on the front, I didn't know who the guys were. Brandon did. But you had fantastic communication from the very front of the line all the way to the rear and then from the rear back up. So great communication. We were riding together as a single unit. It was – we were really cruising. We were going really, really fast. It was really fun. Uh, but we got over, and then I wanted to peel off to go by my house because I was wearing a base layer under my bike gear, and I wanted to take that off because it was starting to get warm. And got back on the road again, and then we got into kind of like a pace line, but not really, and not real good communication. So there was a lot of riders uh, at a lot of different experience levels, and uh, so we were coming. There's a little hill on Hillburn. We were going down the hill. Uh, there's traffic light at the bottom and then the hill that goes up. And so we're coming through there, lots of riders, red light, and several cars. And which all of that together is just kind of, uh, there's nothing good about that. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, Chuck understands this well because he's a motorcycle cop or was when he was younger with uh, CHP. But when you, whenever you lose traction on your front wheel, if you're on a bike or if you're on a motorcycle, it never ends well. Okay? So not sure exactly how I lost traction. Could have been I hit a little bump. But the guy in front of me thought he clipped me with his back wheel. All I know is it felt like someone just yanked my front wheel out from underneath me. So with that, I went over hard on my left side, um, hit my shoulder, hit my head, hit my uh, hip, hit, you know, everything on my left side. 
And uh, so uh, I felt the helmet crunch under between my head and the pavement. Uh, but I never lost consciousness. So anybody ride bikes? Wear your helmet. Wear your helmet. Your head, well, for most of us, your head is worth it. Wear your helmet, okay? Uh, because it, it made a huge difference. I was completely conscious through the whole thing, which with the pain, I kind of wished I wasn't. Uh, but, uh, but so uh, with that, um, I had a truck come up behind me. He stopped traffic, stopped bikes to keep them from running over me. Uh, our, our paramedics were fantastic. Uh, Brandon called Joy. Uh, he helped the firefighters pack my bike into the back of the car. Then he took care of my rodeo up in Winters until I was able to go back up and pick it up yesterday. So, you know, they were a help. Um, the, uh, of course, the people at the ER, they were fantastic, every one of them. I just felt like everybody was very professional. I felt like I had focused care. I can do a Kaiser commercial, okay, Rich? Just tell Kaiser I can do a Kaiser commercial. And uh, so it, everything went super there. Everybody was very professional, very, very good, very attentive. And then, of course, my wife was fantastic taking care of me after I got home. Matt stepped up, preached for me last week. Uh, he did a fantastic job. If you were not here, if you did not see the service last week online, I want to encourage you, you can watch it on YouTube. So you can go back, listen to that. I thought Matt did a fantastic job. To step in last minute, uh, he did a really good job. I wish I could do that well on that short of notice. But he did really, really well. Appreciate him stepping up, serving me, serving you guys. And then, Jen, thank you. Thank you, because when Joy was at home taking care of me, you were here leading our kids. And I just really appreciate the way that you served. Uh, Now, I'm not telling you all of this simply to just kind of give you a report on what happened last week. I am doing a little bit of that. But really what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit about what the Bible teaches us about serving. Because last Saturday, last Sunday I had so many different people serve me in so many different ways. And even yesterday, uh, Jim Winchell uh, was very kind. Joy was sick, was not able to take me over to Winters to pick up my car. Uh, so Jim drove me over and uh, so I could pick up my car, bring it home. Uh, but over the last week, I've just had so many different people serve me in different ways. And, you know, sometimes in life, we're going to go through seasons where we have to be served. We do. And, and some of us, you know, we would rather not be served. We would rather not be the one who's on the receiving end. But I guarantee you, at some point or another in your life, you're going to find yourself there. But the Bible talks to us a lot about being on the other end. The, what the Bible teaches us about serving others. So with us as a church, our mission is inviting people to follow Jesus. And the reason our mission is inviting people to follow Jesus is because the Bible tells us that without Jesus, people are lost. That's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that that without Jesus, people are actually lost. The people who actually fill every space in our lives every day without Jesus are lost. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus is the one and only Savior of the world. He is the one. And the scriptures tell us that, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God says. He doesn't want anyone to die without Jesus. 
And the Bible tells us that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us this mission of inviting people to follow Jesus. And not only that, the Bible tells us that God has given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses for him. And so our mission is inviting people to follow Jesus. And our strategy as a church is to worship, grow, serve, and reach. And by this, what we mean is that we want to worship God, not just on Sunday morning. We do want to come together and worship corporately. That is hugely important. We see it taught everywhere in the Scriptures. But we don't want to just worship God once a week on Sundays. We want to worship God in all that we do. And we want to grow in Christ day by day. We don't want to just grow on Sundays, but we want to grow every day in Christ. And we want to become more like Jesus. And then we want to serve. This is why this is on the wall. We want to serve others over self. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that God wants us to serve others over self. And then finally, reach. Is that we really want to reach our community, our world, one person at a time. Why? Because people are lost without Jesus. And this is what we are about as a church. But today what we want to do is we want to focus in a little bit on this one part of our strategy of serving. But more importantly, the reason we're focusing on this is because the Bible focuses us on this. And this is where we're at in the Scriptures. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today we're in John chapter 13. And what I'd like to do is read for you John chapter 13. And then from this, I would like to talk with you a little bit about how it applies to our lives. In John 13, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this. Uh, And I'm reading from the NIV uh, translation, just in case. Uh, If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to it. If you have a phone app, you can open up there. You might want to refer back to it in the message. Uh, But we'll have it up here on the screen as well. But what the Bible says is this, is it says, it was just before the Passover festival. Understand, at this point in the Gospel of John, it is coming to a rapid, climactic end. Passover is approaching. Passover is approaching. It will come. It is Thursday evening. And Passover is approaching. The next day, Friday, was the day of preparation. Saturday will be Passover. And so, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. As you read through the Gospel of John over and over again, you see reference to this coming hour. And it says, Jesus knew. Jesus wasn't surprised. He knew. He knew his hour had come uh, to leave this world and to go to return to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That is a great line. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he had poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them 
with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. I just want to make sure you're capturing what's happening in this text. It's easy to read something that's familiar to us and to just kind of blow through it and not really think about it. Um, you know, what Jesus does in this text is the kind of thing that when you read it, you should stop and you should think, wow, that's kind of interesting. Jesus did that? See, what Jesus did uh, what Jesus did was kind of an interesting, fascinating, shocking thing. In, in the ancient world, people bathed less than we bathe today, and you probably understand that. They didn't have running water. They didn't have showers. They didn't typically have a tub like we have a tub. For them to, to bathe, you had to go and draw water. It was a lot of work to bathe. And, and so you bathed fewer times a week. At the same time, you wore either you were barefooted or you wore sandals and you didn't have shoes and socks. So your feet would, between baths, would obviously get very dirty each day. They're always on the ground. They're, there's always dust covering them. And so the practice of washing your feet was an important part of personal hygiene on a daily basis. It's, it's like, you know... You, I was going to ask, does anybody skip brushing their teeth for a day? And I, I thought someone here might. So I'm not going to ask that question. But it's kind of like it, it's just kind of an important part of daily hygiene. And sometimes, sometimes people would wash the feet of other people. Uh, sometimes children would wash the feet of their parents. Sometimes a wife would wash the feet of her husband. And then sometimes a servant would wash the feet of his master. Or a host who's hosting a meal, having people in his home, having people in her home to eat, might, if they were wealthy, have a servant who would wash the feet of those who were guests. Uh, A a teacher would never, uh, could never, ask their disciples to wash their feet. Uh, they, They couldn't. And so what Jesus is doing here is very strange in the ancient world. More strange than sometimes we pause to think about or to imagine. It would be kind of like going to someone's home, an imaginary person's home, an imaginary person who keeps an immaculately clean home, Sandy Acord. It would be like going to this imaginary person's home for dinner, and uh, walking into the house, the normal greetings, and then asking, where's your bathroom? Oh, it's over there. Rolling up your sleeves, going into the bathroom, uh, getting some Lysol, spraying down the countertops, the outside of the toilet, wiping down everything thoroughly. You know, windexing the mirrors, polishing the mirror. Get some pine saw, pour it in the toilet, scrub in the toilet with a brush. Uh, and, and then getting some comet and, and making the tub so white, it's whiter than a pearl. Okay? Now, if we did this in the imaginary home of a person, San Diego, I'm pretty sure this imaginary person would be like, you're not going to clean my bathroom. And there would be a figure on my face. Okay? I'm pretty sure that's what would happen. See, what Jesus is doing here is just strange to these people. 
especially to Simon Peter. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to clean my bathroom? Verse 7. Jesus replied, you, you do not realize now what I'm doing for you, but later you will understand. Okay, you don't really get what's going on right now, but later you will. Peter says, no. <laughs> there ain't no way that's going to happen. That's what it says literally in the Greek. There ain't no way you're going to wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, folks, until you come to Jesus, humbled and broken over your sin, you have no part with him. We need Jesus to cleanse us. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter says, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you, plural, are clean. But not every one, singular, not every one of you. Why does Jesus say this? Verse 11. For he, Jesus, knew who was going to betray him. Jesus knew what was happening. Jesus was not this witless victim. He was fully aware of what he was walking into. He knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. By the way, Jesus serves the one who betrays him. He serves the one who will desert him. He serves the one who will deny him. Verse 12. When Jesus finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and he asked a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also should wash one another's feet. You should take the role of a servant. You should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. By the way, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do. So this is not a text to discuss. This is God's holy word to be obeyed. To be woven into every part of every single moment of every day of our lives. I set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There's no blessing in the knowing. There's blessing in the doing. See, sometimes what we do is we come to church and we talk about what we're, how we're supposed to live. But we're actually supposed to take how we're supposed to live home and live it. 
We're supposed to live it in rhythm and relationship with every single person who fills our lives. Verses 34 and 35, Jesus says this, A new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. How did Jesus love his disciples? He loved them when he washed their feet. He loved them when he taught them. He loved them when he went to the cross for them. And then he tells you and me that we are to love others the same way that he's loved us. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By the way, you know how we can have a powerful impact in this community? Where people look and say, man, those people follow Jesus. You know how to do that? By loving and serving one another the way Jesus has loved and served us. That's why I took a few minutes to acknowledge all the people who are serving today. That's the reason I took a moment to acknowledge all the different people who served me last week when I needed it. By the way, there there are two two ways to serve. Well, there's more than that. But two ways in a general sense of how to serve. One is formally, when a person fills a formal role, either working in multimedia or at the sound, the worship team, children's ministry running the care ministry, things like that. They're, they're, you know, helping with accounting. There are a lot of different ways that are kind of formal, parts of rhythms of how we should serve. We should serve that way. We should serve that way. We shouldn't just receive, but we should also serve. But we shouldn't just serve in the formal ways because a lot of serving happens in moments that could never be scheduled. I didn't put it on my schedule to wreck my bike last Saturday. But I sure needed people to serve me in the moment. And every day there are people in our lives who need us to serve them. And by the way, there will be times in your life where you're going to need people to serve you. Let's talk a little bit. I want to take a moment to apply this text. But before I do it, I want to just kind of acknowledge something. Is that sometimes we don't serve. And I want to talk about why we don't serve. But I think we need to acknowledge this, and I think we need to think about this. I think one of the reasons why many people do not serve, uh, whether in the church or elsewhere, is that many people are more concerned with being served than serving others. They have a consumer mindset. In other words, they're all about the receiving, but not so much about the giving. And this is very much understand that you live in a culture that is trying to disciple you. Did you know that? See, Jesus wants you to be his disciple, but the culture is trying to disciple you. The culture is trying to shape you. You are bombarded with messages every day. You deserve a break today. You know? You know, obey your thirst. you You are given these messages everywhere you go, every single day. And, um, and the Bible's saying, hey, look, you know, I'm the one who's supposed to be served. In our world today, a lot, sometimes we measure a person's greatness by how many people serve them. But in the kingdom of God, greatness is recognized in how we serve others. So one of the, the reasons why we sometimes don't serve the way we should is this, we have this consumer mindset that we're constantly battling. A second reason why we sometimes do not 
serve well is because of a love deficiency or superficial love. You know, the reason that Jesus, in verse 1, the first thing that we read is, is that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. See, his loving precedes his serving. But sometimes people have a love deficiency. Sometimes people who name Jesus as their Lord and Savior have a love deficiency. This is something that happens to us sometimes. Uh, the Bible speaks to this in, in 1 John. By the way, remember, 1 John is written by who? John, okay? That was a trick question. By the way, the Gospel of John was written by who? Uh, yeah, it's written by John, okay? Uh, and, and what John, John speaks a lot about love, both in the Gospel of John, but again, in 1 John, he talks about, a love, uh, about love a lot. And he says this, this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's what love looks like. It looks like laying down our lives for the people that we love. Uh, it, it looks like in a thousand million different ways every day, laying down what's most important to me to do what's most important for another person. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? See, if we walk right by a person in need, then the love of God does not abide in us, at least according to John. By the way, that is Scripture. And what John goes on to say this, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, meaning let's not just say that we love, but let's demonstrate how we love, how? By our actions and in truth. Third reason why many people oftentimes find it difficult to serve is busyness. Busyness. Has anybody other than me ever felt busy? Of course. Uh, I'm going to say what John Mark Comer says. That John Ortberg said to John Mark Comer. That Dallas Willard said to John Ortberg. You must ruthlessly eliminate all hurry from your life. You know what it means to ruthlessly eliminate hurry? It means to grab hurry by the throat. <laughs> and to be done with it. To get rid of it. You know, it's so fascinating to me when Jesus wants to talk to us about what love looks like in the Gospel of Luke. He tells a story about a man who is beaten, robbed, stripped naked, left to die. And then a religious man, a Jew, a priest, walks by, crosses to the other side of the road and does nothing to help the man. A second man... A Levite, also a religious leader, a Jew, sees the man in need, walks by, does nothing. But then a Samaritan, by the way, Samaritans were despised by Jews. Why? Well, they were ethnically impure. Uh, and they were, um, uh, they were also considered to be um, heretics. And it's the heretic the racially impure person 
who stops, tends the wounds of the wounded man, cleans them, bandages them, places that man on his donkey, takes him to an inn and pays the innkeeper to care for him. Did that cost the Samaritan time? Yeah. Was it convenient? No. Did it cost the Samaritan money? Yes. Serving others is always costly. But it's what Jesus does, and it's what he wants us to do. We need to ruthlessly eliminate business from our lives. Uh, fourth, the fourth reason why many people, many of us sometimes will not serve the way we need to is because of personal insecurity. Maybe we feel inadequate or unqualified to serve or help others in that way. Oh, I could never teach other people, or I could never do this, or I could never do that. I could never lead another person to Jesus. You know, I I can't do this. I can't do that. And sometimes we tell ourselves what we can't do instead of telling ourselves what God can do through us. See, we, we, we get so caught up in telling ourselves what we can't do, what... I can't do that we, we, we forget about and we forget to tell ourselves the truth. Why? Because we're telling ourselves a lie. I can't do that. You know, it's really fascinating when, when Paul writes about his ministry and talks about his ministry, and I'm not going to go into this a great deal, but he, Paul says this. He says, such confidence we have through Christ Jesus before God. We, we have a confidence. You have a confidence. I have a confidence. Paul had a confidence before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. Paul was saying, hey, listen, I am competent to serve Jesus, not because of anything in me. But our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new new covenant. See, folks, you are qualified to do everything that God wants you to do. Not in yourself but because God is the one who makes you competent. Sometimes the best thing you can do is what scares you the most and just do it afraid and trust God to show up. Um, Let's talk about how God wants us to serve, and then I'll end this quickly. Three things. Number one, God wants us to serve with love-filled hearts. You know, the very first thing we see in verse 1 is that having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. That what God wants us to do is he wants us to serve one another with love-filled hearts. The secondly, that God wants us to serve with, with a, an eternal mindset. And, and I think this is something that can be missing sometimes uh, in, in, in the way people serve. They, they may serve, but they don't always serve with an, with an eternal mindset. What do I mean by that? See, what, what Jesus, when Jesus serves, he is fully aware that he's come from God, that he's returning to God. That when Jesus serves, he understands that all power has been given to him. He understands that, that, that he's come from God, that he's returning to God. He has this eternal mindset in how he serves. In the same way, we need to understand, we need to fix our mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this world. That when our mind is fixed on the things of God, then serving, I think, comes more supernaturally to us. Real quick again, I I want to make sure you don't miss this. When we fix our mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth, serving becomes more 
supernatural to us. It's not always doing what comes naturally. It's doing what comes supernaturally. And it, it comes from a mindset is that I am serving God in this. I, you know, I love this perspective. I love this. I heard this story. I don't know if it's true. It, it's probably one of those preacher stories that, you know, it's not really, it didn't really happen, but it has kind of a truth in it. Uh, uh, about a man who was a stonemason back in the Middle Ages building a huge cathedral. And someone asked him what he was doing. He was cutting stone, preparing the stone to be placed. And he was cutting stone, and the stonemason said this. He asked him, what are you doing? And he says, I am creating a place where people will come to Jesus and worship him. He was not simply a stonecutter. He was a servant of Christ Jesus. Doing when 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 you do something that serves people, it serves God. It is something wonderful. But serving with that eternal mindset. The third way that God wants us to serve is He wants us to serve humbly. By the way, this is so countercultural. In our world, we feel like someone's going to take advantage of us if we're too humble. In our world, we're taught that you have to fight for your rights, all that kind of good stuff. By the way, did Jesus ever fight for his rights? Well, let me tell you this. If Jesus fought for his rights, you and I would be going to hell right now. What Jesus did is he humbly served. Um, Philippians chapter 2, probably not going to get it right. Jesus, or excuse me, Paul writes this. He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to cling to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Being found in the form of a bondservant, he humbled himself to the point of death. See, what Jesus did is he didn't cling to his rights. He willingly gave them up to serve humbly. This is what Jesus does when he, the teacher, cleans the feet of his disciples. And this is what Jesus is telling you and me to do when he says, I have given you an example to follow. You will be blessed if you do these things. Jesus wants us to humbly serve one another with love-filled hearts and an eternal perspective. In our world, people tend to measure greatness by how many people serve a person. In the kingdom of God, greatness is living to serve others over self. It's not how many people who serve us or how well we are served that matters. It is how well we love and serve people near us, around us. Not serving not just our favorites, who are kind of easy to serve or easier to serve, but serving people, all people, who fill all the spaces of our lives. God wants us to serve like Jesus. He wants us to serve with love-filled hearts. He wants us to serve with an eternal perspective. He wants us to serve humbly. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on up. And... um,
I'm going to lead us in prayer and then turn things over to them. God, you are great and awesome and you are good. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not cling to your rights as God, but you emptied yourself. You took the form of a bondservant. You humbly served your original disciples, and you have humbly served us. You have, you have cleansed us of our sin, and you have given us an example to follow. Lord, help us to recommit ourselves to what we already know that we, you want us to do. Help us, God, to make it a priority to humbly serve, not just formally, but informally. To serve the people, not just who are easy to serve, but the people who need us to serve them the most. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you so much, Gary. And welcome back again. And uh, I would love to invite you to stand with us now. And let's just really drive this home that uh, with, with the, our closing song today. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I'll follow you. Who you love, I will love. How you serve, I will serve. And if this life I lose, I will follow you. Let's follow him together. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. If this life I lose 
together. Let's follow him. Hey, we will see you Saturday for our trunk or treat. Have an awesome week, everyone. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Kayla. A pleasure as always.